Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Well, the first verse in our gospel lesson reads as follows. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then at the end of our gospel text, we heard, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. If there's one thing that we can take away from today's gospel lesson, it is that the Christ child grew in strength, in his stature and his wisdom, and that he did so in order to glorify the Father and his own will of salvation coming to man in the flesh. This is clear since we are told that God's favor rests in Jesus and that man will come to favor him also, such as when they listen to him, even as a boy, when he's there in the temple and he converses with the teachers there. This is an obvious and good message from today's gospel. And yet there is another opportune message for us to consider, and that will take up the entirety of today's uh, message, the centrality of the Father's house, the centrality of the Father's house for Jesus, and therefore for you and for me. Now, most of Jesus's youth is a mystery to us. There is little about it in scripture except for right here in Luke chapter 2, but even if most of what we do have is written for our hearing today, we have all that we really need. Jesus says, I must be in my father's house. Even as a, a young lad, Jesus says these very words, I must be in my father's house, and that looking for him elsewhere, well, is a waste of time. How much of your days, your years, or even a lifetime has been wasted seeking Jesus where he has not said he'd be. Down the rabbit hole of every sin is a place where Jesus is not present. When we go where Christ has said, has not said he'd be, that's when we enter into our sins. And I fear that sometimes we do a, a lot of talking about sin, but we don't necessarily explain the purpose of sin. The devil's intent with temptations is to lead you where Christ has said we cannot go. And when we do not listen by thought, word, or deed, that's when we enter into sin. What is the outcome of entering into this forbidden place? It is a separation from God. And the devil's intent is that you will sin and that you will like it and become addicted to it, and want to return more and more to it. He wants you to fear losing the sins you desire. He wants you to love your sins with an unmatched passion for anyone else. He wants you to ultimately trust in the false certainty of your sins, all for the purpose that God will not be who you fear, love, and trust the most. 
He wants you to fear, love, and trust your sins more. All to meet his evil means to the end that your faith is placed where you desire it most. Where your faith is placed where you are most passionate about. Where your faith is placed in an unrealistic certainty that you believe is good for you. In short, faith enters a place where it cannot survive. It enters a place apart from God. And hopefully this clarifies how sin slowly chokes us out. How sin slowly takes us down by what we claim are perhaps big sins, but also those things which we consider those small sins, those minor flaws, or we maybe even claim aren't really sins at all. This is when we lie to ourselves in order to to avoid God's no by masking our sins as insignificant or claiming that there's really no sin here at all. Don't look over here at my sins. They don't exist. So, it's of great importance that where Jesus is, that's where we need to be. That where Jesus is, our sins can't follow. Our text is quite descriptive to this very point. And St. Luke is masterful in the way that he, he uh, records these, uh, these things. How he records and, and allows the events of, of Jesus' disappearance in Jerusalem, in the temple, to then make clear uh, uh, points of Jesus' true uh, Messiah headship, uh, lordship, and, and the ways of Jesus. Let's see how this, this uh, goes out here. For instance, when we look at uh, our text today, we seem to have a bit of a, a home alone scenario going on. Okay? Uh, that Jesus is with his earthly parents and they go to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover and the 12-year-old boy then stays behind in Jerusalem while the rest of his family uh, returns home. Now this wouldn't quite be that home alone reference if it weren't for Jesus to say that the temple is his father's house and therefore his house. All being the same, the parents are unaware of his being there where, uh, opposed to where they are. And they're a day's journey out. And like parents do when they've lost their child, they frantically start searching. They frantically start asking anyone if they've seen the kid, their kid. They frantically start asking their relatives if they have seen the boy. They say no. Then Joseph and Mary go with the, their acquaintances, perhaps people that they are traveling uh, from Jerusalem back to Nazareth with, and they ask, is Jesus with you? No, he's not with them either. It's not a good feeling when you lost your child to not know where they are, certainly not for the Holy Family. They've effectively lost the chosen one, right? <laughs> the Messiah. If any of you have lost your child in a store or mall or crowded place, it's a most awful feeling. Our existence is intimately tied to our children, and to lose them is to lose a part of ourselves. 
And I don't know if you caught this, but Joseph and Mary search for three days for Jesus. Three days. That's a considerable amount of time, wouldn't you say, when a child is lost? And you do have to be somewhat suspicious of the three days that they are without Jesus. Luke most likely includes this detail in order to show a foreshadowing where Jesus is apparently disappeared once more when he is in the tomb between his crucifixion and his resurrection. Well, uh, the reason for making these comparisons is in where they find Jesus and what is he doing there. When we consider how they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, we realize probably right there alongside his parents, at that moment, they realize that that sweet baby who sat in the manger is no longer an infant, but a boy. He's amazing all who heard him speak by his understanding and his answers. Quite frankly, he's doing before their eyes exactly what was foretold to them by the angels, but they just can't believe their eyes. As much as they are his guardians, they have also now just become witnesses to his purpose on earth. What was foretold before his birth is now happening. We might look at our children and say to ourselves, when did they grow up? They're looking at Jesus and not only considering those things, but they're seeing he is growing up and they are seeing that he is doing exactly what was foretold that he would be doing. He is being messianic. He is being God in the flesh. And what comes next is also equally interesting. It might even be a bit comical in a way, but after worrying about Jesus, likely over tears for this child's disappearance for three days, when they find him, Mary speaks to Jesus in a very familiar way, in a very familiar way of mothers and fathers still today. Her worry shifts to anger. Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Translation, how dare you? Don't you know we've been searching for you? That we have been worried sick about you? What were you thinking? Jesus, as though blind to their awful distress, boldly dares to question their worry and responds, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? What can you say to that? Certainly it wasn't the answer they were looking for, as they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. What is recorded in the text colors in some of the remaining context. 
Jesus does leave the temple and journeys to Nazareth with his earthly parents, being submissive to them to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus follows and keeps the commandment to obey father and mother. But Mary has unfinished business with this episode. She treasures up all these things that she has witnessed in her heart. The very words that Jesus has spoken, that he must be in his father's house, she puts it upon her heart. She knows something that you too must take away from today's gospel. When Jesus speaks, they are words from God. I must be in my father's house is to be treasured up in her heart as much as it ought to be treasured in our hearts. Treasured up in this account of Jesus' boyhood are important messages for how we ought to regard our lives as Christians. If you take a first look here at the custom of Mary and Joseph to travel to Jerusalem each year for the feast of the Passover, consider the religious life of Jesus' parents and how indicative it is to how they considered worship. It might well be a custom, a thing that you do, that you were raised to go to church each and every week. But it is not a custom without meaning. Jesus wants to remain in his Father's house. We ought to desire to be in the Father's house too. The Father's house is a place of growing, where we are children who grow in stature and wisdom after the Lord. And those discerning God's word grow also by the strength of Christ's holy supper and wisdom of those things which are preached concerning God's word. Secondly, when we consider the feast of the Pascha or the feast of the Passover and how it foreshadows in this text what Jesus is going to do, you hear the story of Jesus and his death coming. As you heard this story retold, you too may have considered the implications for Jesus being in the temple, and you would be right to do so. Jesus will be that paschal lamb of sacrifice. In fact, he is the final sacrifice for each and every one of your sins, each and every one of my sins. Jesus will establish a new Passover, now in his blood, to mark a new covenant, a new promise, that by his body and blood given and shed, all who receive it worthily receive the forgiveness of sins. This episode from Jesus' boyhood is a story of redemption. It's a story of your redemption. It is the story of how Jesus will reconcile mankind to his Father by his work of atonement. No bloodshed is mentioned in today's story, but it is coming. And no wonder that Mary treasured up all these things in her heart. She would be in for more heartbreak. And it would be the heartbreaking thing, but necessary thing, that Jesus must do. That he must sacrifice himself for our salvation. And that leads us to our final point for today. We are to see in this gospel what it means for Jesus to be eternally committed to divine necessities. Divine necessities. Even as he is embodied for the moment in our text as a 12-year-old boy. 
Jesus shared with Mary and Joseph that his proper place is within the house of his heavenly father. In fact, he says, I must, I must. It is necessary that I be in my father's house, that I be in my, uh, about my father's business is another translation there. This creates the necessity for his, his very uh, important point of being there, being in the house of his father. He knows it is a necessity. But we are not always good at knowing what is necessary. We often conflate our needs and our wants, but not so with Jesus. There are divine necessities throughout the scriptures that cannot be any other way. It is necessary for Jesus to suffer, necessary for him to be handed over, to be crucified, and then three days later to be raised from the dead. The result of these necessities is your salvation. So salvation is necessary. For us today, we see Jesus insistent against his parents' judgment that it is necessary for him to be in his father's house. If it is necessary for Jesus to be in his father's house, where do you think you belong? The father's house is a place where God dwells. It is a place where your sins cannot survive. The father's house is a church where you hear Jesus speak to you words of forgiveness. The church is the new temple where you see Jesus feed you his very body and blood of forgiveness. The church is the place where sins are forgiven, where the Father's will is spoken and received. The church is where the lost are found because Jesus is here to meet them. Won't you stay a while? After all, the Father's house is your house too. Amen.